Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boozdar and this is episode 11. This week I sat down with Jesse Dearman, someone who was born in Canada, spent a lot of her life in the United States of America, and has bounced back and forth between both countries. A new point of view on what it means to be a citizen of the world. Enjoy another episode of The Double Life. property management, which is considered like an essential business because we provide housing. Mm -hmm. And so I work in kind of, I work in resident services at an apartment community. So I'm working with residents. um, And it's been a lot like crazy busy. Like I've never been this busy before because we have a bunch of different programs to help residents defer their rent payments because of COVID and whatnot. And so it's just like, slammed all the time i I never finish my work at the end of the day yeah has it have you seen a direct impact like as far as you know work beforehand and then work now has it been something where you're like oh yep this is oh yeah drastically different definitely usually with renting habits in orange county it's really slow from November ish through March, April ish, because it's like the holidays, a lot of people aren't moving. And, you know, once summer hits is when students are moving out and like people like want to move during the summer when their kids aren't in school. So we usually expect like an increase around this time, but it was legitimately like overnight. It, it just went from zero to a hundred real, real quick. And we had our company had to lay people off. So we are working from a team that's usually six people down to three and the workload has doubled aside from that. So it's it's been insane. Like I, I can't even think of like words to describe how nuts it is. Yeah, that's in, wow. What how when like how did this even start real estate? How do, is this something that you've been interested in a while or it kind of just fell on your plate and you took the opportunity? <laughs> It is definitely not something I'm interested in at all. I mean, I'm thankful I'm I'm in the industry right now because I still have a job. And yeah. right now, my my role, I'm actually able to help people, which, you know, other years I'm really not. Um, but right now, just the, the things my company has in place, I, I put in a, a position where people like actually kind of appreciate me sometimes. But um, no, the role kind of like fell in my lap. I... I mean, I worked at REI, obviously, and I was working there for a while and really couldn't make ends meet. And my parents weren't in a position to assist me at all. And I had to finish up school. I had to take like a couple of years off of school because I just couldn't afford to finish the classes. So um, my friend worked for the company and recommended me to join and I got the job and now I'm you know, able to finish school, which is great. Now, you know, finding the time to do that is a different story, but yeah, definitely not something I'm I'm passionate about in any means, but I appreciate it for right now. Yeah. So what what are you passionate about? What are we studying in school and preparing for? Well, my degree I'm doing a double major actually. Um, it's in biology and political science, so kind Interesting. of interesting. Okay. Yes, opposite. Yeah. <laughs> sides of the playing field. But, but I mean, right now it could play a huge role in what like environmental advocacy and stuff. Is that something, or is it more? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of when I went into university, I initially wanted to be like a doctor. 
which, you know, everyone who goes into biology, that's kind of what their end goal is. And I took some, you know, physiology courses and I was like, not super into it. But one of the courses that was required for my degree is ecology. And I took that class and I was like, holy shit, like, this is it, you know? And, you know, I've never really had experiences like that before. So like switched my concentration and then to just being like wildlife management and conservation biology. And then political science is just like a love child of mine. I've always loved policy and geeking out on that. So I kind of didn't really have a plan. Like there are just two things that I love and I love studying. Like it didn't feel like a chore studying anything yeah. in either of those fields. So um, I just pursued them. I, yeah, I really didn't have an end goal. I mean, I've always like considered going into like environmental law, but I, I don't know if I'd really enjoy the day to day of being a lawyer. And then obviously I would love to be like a park ranger, do like conservation biology, but it kind of pinholes you on where you can live. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in like an in-between right now where I'm more focused on just, you know, finishing up my degree at this point. And I mean, the job market is non-existent anyway. So it's kind of a waste to even think about it but yeah I don't know if I'm gonna go to grad school if I want to go in into like environmental engineering or something so yeah it's all up in the air I'm just rolling with it I'm just kind of trying sure. to survive our current economy yeah how does um I think it's cool that you said you've always been interested in policy and stuff is that like since you were a kid that's always been something you were interested in yeah like I my sister she's she's a little bit older than me she's five four and a half years but she was five grades ahead of me and she got really into politics when she was in like early high school like she was in like 10th grade and so I was in fifth grade when I first started getting you know exposed to you know just policy and politics in general I remember actually dressed up as George W. Bush for Halloween one year in elementary school which a lot of my out of irony or just like in Oh yeah, Pure no, like seriousness. out of irony. Oh, okay. For for sure. No, I yeah, and I was like like nine or ten and my yeah. The school didn't love it, but um yeah, wow. it was it's always been something for a ten year old too. That's man. <laughs> You're like, I want to be yeah. George Push. And your parents are like, What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my parents are they're amazing and they're they actually aren't very they they're that they're now more politically engaged given you know, the current president sure, we have yeah. in place. But mm-hmm. um, before they would always kind of hate on my sister and I. They're just always like, you know, I don't know where the hell you guys got this from. You know, it's not something anyone in our family really cares about, but they do now. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it was even from like, as, you know, as far as I can remember, I've always been interested. And then as I got older in like middle school, when I was in high school and I was able to actually, you know, read things and fully comprehend them instead of just watching, you know, CNN um, yeah, I was like something I'm just like just very, very interested and super invested in. So in the I was like it was something I was known for even like in high school. So yeah, huh. it's weird. I don't it's hard to quite pinpoint it. I think it was my sister. I can blame her, I think. Right. Yeah. Early influences. Speaking of early influences, so you grew up did you were you born here or were you born in Canada? I was born in Canada, yeah. My family we moved to Southern California when I was young, I was, I think it was like three or four. Um, I haven't been younger than that. Uh, but they, it was kind of like a whim. It was my dad applied to a job in Southern California, like kind of as a joke. And then he ended up getting it before he worked at the air traffic control at Pearson airport in Toronto. Holy cow. And wait, he does that. Wait, that's what he did before he went to Southern California. 
Yeah, yeah, wow, he did that. So what my dad is insane job. Jeez. Yeah, my my dad is kind of a weird weird guy because he actually went him and I went to the same university and he went for forest engineering. So hmm. it's an engineering degree that's focused around forestry. Right. And his first internship out of university, he they were like it's right when computers kind of started and his boss was like gave him manual for this it program he's like hey learn this and teach everyone on staff and then my dad kind of ended up working in it from that because that's where his experience was and he my mom got you know accidentally pregnant when they were like fresh out of university and he had to take kind of the first good paying job and just kind of escalated from there so yeah he ended up in working in air traffic control um, yeah, he told me one time that he actually got the whole air traffic control tower. He pressed a wrong button and it shut the whole tower down for like 15 minutes. Wow. And it cost the airport like $3.5 million. Holy shit. And he kept his job after that. They didn't fire him? Yeah, that's Canadians, you know. They're wow. just like, oh, it's okay, bud. <laughs> like, just, you know what? Don't do it again. Or yeah. like, we like, might yeah, get you know, more you upset. Your <laughs> that's awesome. So. Wow. Yeah, but he ended up, um, his his friend at the airport was like, hey, I applied for this job. At, it was it's flood control in, in Riverside County. And my dad like thought the job was a joke because Riverside is like sub-desert. Mm-hmm. So why would you need flood control in a desert? Like that right. makes no sense. But he applied on a whim, kind of as a joke with his friend. He got the job. And then my mom was just like, oh my gosh, we should move. Like we'll move for a couple of years. It'll be so fun. And then they moved and, you know, 20 some odd years later, they're still here. So, um, but yeah, my, my upbringing was kind of weird though, because, you know, the first few years we were here, we, we had to stay in America. Um, and like we couldn't visit Canada very often because my family couldn't afford it. And the visa we had, we couldn't be out of the country for that long. Um, Wait, so how old were you when you moved over here? I was like, I think I was like in between two and four. I'm not exactly sure. So super young, but your sister was older. Does she remember that whole experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My sister was in in school. I I have an older brother too, and they were both like in elementary school at the time. In Canada, and then they had to transition to, Mm -hmm. which obviously was, I mean, probably a lot more impactful for them. You were probably a little too young to really see the difference yeah yeah it was yeah it, it was a really really weird weird upbringing because we yeah they you know they came I think like we moved in the summer it was in June of uh, like the late 90s and you know so they started the new school year here but we would go back to Canada like every summer and so we spent the school year here and then we would go to Canada and then come back and so our upbringing was very like kind of like a hybrid I guess because sure, yeah. you know, we're, we're spending time in both places um so it's yeah they I think my sister definitely had a a rougher transition and my brother even more so than I did but I mean even mine was not you know not super easy which people I think find surprising coming from Canada but it's yeah being an immigrant's hard <laughs> it's no not, totally and I think it plays like you and your siblings had two different perspectives i think you know and they both had their pros and cons them being going from canadian school to american school kind of seeing the dynamic of two different cultures which is cool but then also rough to be pulled you know and then Mm -hmm. you kind of sort of growing up more in america and then going back and forth to canada and still having that play as something where you're like i was born in canada but i kind of grew up here and this is sort of my foundation kind of but i'm going back to canada 
and this is also now a part of my identity. So it's like you both are kind of struggling with the same thing, but from different perspectives. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, any any Canadian household, you're definitely raised to know that you're Canadian. Like it's very apparent in my family that like I was, you know, as, as long as I can remember, like I knew I was Canadian. I knew it was, you know, it was different than Americans. And there's a lot of like pride in Canada for not being American. And so it's kind of weird growing up because, you know, in my home, it was like, you're Canadian, you're going to do all these things. Like I still spell like color and favorite with a U and then I go to, you know, school and they're just like, oh, you know, they're, I don't know, they're, you're Canadian when it's convenient, you know, when they want to like exclude you from something, but they're also there to like tear you down being like, oh yeah, you know, you've, you've been in America pretty much your whole life. You're pretty much American. But then when you like voice an opinion about politics, for instance, like, well, you're Canadian, so your opinion's invalid. And hmm. then it's kind of the same thing in Canada where you, I go there and it's just like, okay, but you're Canadian, you're not an American citizen, you know, you spent a majority of your life here but you still like you know grew up in the states for the most part so you're not fully canadian so you're kind of always in this limbo that you don't really belong in either place but you fully belong in both places sure strange right totally i get that i mean i was born in pakistan grew up here but then went back every once in a while you know and then there's that weird parallel of being like too pakistani to be american too american to be pakistani kind of thing where you're, I feel like, dealing with that too, like too Canadian to be American and too American to be Canadian. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's always when it's convenient for whoever you're speaking with too. Like, oh, you know, you know this because you're Canadian, but you also don't know this because you're Canadian. So it's it's both things. But it was, I mean, the same when I, when I moved back to Canada and my, I was like 17 um, and I lived there for you know my early 20s for five, six years. And when I first moved there, it was super rough because it was a big culture shock. Because I, I moved to a province I hadn't really spent much time in. I would usually go back to Ontario and I moved to New Brunswick, which is like the Maritimes. Wait, hold on. Back up. Why? What made you want to do that? So wait, you graduated from high school in America and then you were like, mm-hmm. I want to go move back to Canada for an indefinite amount of time? Yeah, I mean, the, I was thinking, so I I wanted to go to university. That was my main goal out of high school. My family wasn't really in a position where they could afford universities in California. And I had watched my older sister get a bunch of student loans and is still in so much debt. She graduated in 2013. And it's just, I saw her, you know, go through all of that. So I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go into a four year right away, though. And so I was, you know, kind of trying to figure out what to do. And then my grandmother actually came to visit me for my birthday. And she, you know, drank a little bit too much wine and lectured me about how I'm like not Canadian enough and how I like need to go back to my country. And so then, but I kind of put the idea in my head that I could go back to Canada for school. And I, it's not something I ever even thought about. I was so stressed out about trying to figure out where. I can afford to attend university and I contacted my the university that my parents met at where like everyone on both sides of my family went there since like the beginning of time and I was like hey like can I pay resident tuition they're like yeah you can start next semester and I was like sweet and so that was in I got accepted in November and I moved in January in the middle of winter on the east coast it was crazy wow so I mean high school 
what was that like before you and we'll dive into you transitioning over but i'm just curious the mindset of someone who would be comfortable going like okay cool yeah i've established a life here in high school and everything i think it's might be difficult for some people to wrap their mind around just abandoning all that and going to canada um yeah i mean i kind of had a weird high school period um my parents actually so i i grew up in riverside where so i went to high school and my sophomore year of high school um my like due to the recession you know the recession happened a couple years earlier my mom was having a hard time getting her a job she left her previous job at the like the end of 2007 and then she like naturally couldn't find one that worked for her because of the recession so mm -hmm. she actually got a position at UCSF the medical school in San Francisco and so her and my dad moved she moved up in 2009 my dad moved up in 2010 or 11 like right after I got my license my junior year and they lived in San Francisco and I stayed at our house in Riverside. And so like wow. my just by yourself or with your siblings, I'm assuming. I had yeah, I saved my older brother. My older brother has like a developmental issue, so he like needed someone to kind of take care of him. And so that was kind of fell on my plate was helping him and then kind of taking care of the house and the dogs and then oh, wow. my parents would That's come a lot. down like for a junior yeah, in high was... school too, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was Dang. it was interesting. So your parents were up and like, hey, we got to go. And you're essentially in charge of a house at 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah. They moved up. Yeah. My mom moved up when I was 14 and my dad moved up. I mean, my, my and my dad would go up like, you know, for long weekends and whatnot while he was trying to find a job up there. And then um, I would stay and I would have friends that were, you know, were able to drive. So they would drive me to you know water polo practice and stuff and then yeah once my dad moved up like right when I got my license he got a job actually at SFO airport up there and yeah I mean it wasn't obviously something they wanted to do it was just times are tough they had bills to pay and you know I guess I was trustworthy <laughs> so I feel like that kind of you know going through that at like such a young age made me more willing to just kind of go for it like the minute like something would like hit my mind I'd be like okay let's just go do it and so it was kind of the same thing with you know moving to Canada I was like okay I feel like I've used up kind of all of my resources here a lot of my friends had left um California to go to university as well and it was like I just you know there's no time like the present so I may as well just do it yeah so you up and Moved to Canada, but a new area. So you didn't go back to where you are familiar with. You chose mm -hmm. a different area. Was that intentionally? Yeah, I mean, so the area I we would we would visit. Well, I when I grew up um, was mainly with my my mom's side of the family, and so my dad is from the Maritimes. He's from New Brunswick, and so I moved. Like my university is adjacent to his hometown, and it's the university that they my parents met at. So. Um, that's kind of why I chose that area because I'd grown up hearing about it from my parents and, mm -hmm. and yeah so I just yeah just just went for it I think moving in the middle of winter if I could go back I probably wouldn't have done that <laughs> it was a rough transition going from you know visiting winter from time to time to fully living in it and coming from like California but yeah that was yeah it was I just kind of 
just went with it, I guess. Sure. And then, so you're in Canada now and you're going to school. Um, people, culture, society, is it a lot different or is it something that for you wasn't a huge deal since you were like kind of, like you said throughout your life, it's been a very like we're Canadian kind of thing throughout your household and your culture and your grandma gave you that lecture. So it's been something that was ingrained in you throughout your life. So it wasn't too hard of a transition as far as like connecting with people over there or was it still pretty difficult? Um, so the, the Maritimes of Canada are their own very special sphere. They're very, very different than, um, other, other places in Canada and especially from Ontario where I was, visiting before so I had a huge culture shock being in the Maritimes like being in New Brunswick um and I immediately loved it like I I, I loved being there but the the people there are like harder to I think it's a very small town it's a it's definitely a small town so there it's a little bit harder to kind of get to know people I guess um and it was so I moved into like a residence when I first moved there and I would say 50% of the people were just like, oh my gosh, you're from California. That's so cool. I want to be your friend. want to hear all about it. And the other half were just like, we hate Americans. And so we hate you. Like wow. we can't stand Americans. You want nothing to do with you. Um, which, you know, someone that ended up being my roommate and to this day is one of my best friends. Her and I met three separate times because we were drunk the first two and we forgot <laughs> or she forgot that we met. But every single time she came up to me and said some variation of, you're the girl from California, I hate you, you're American, one way or another. So, um, but we ended up being best friends, so it worked out, but that was like two years later. But yeah, it was it was definitely like rough transitioning into that, because that's never something I'd ever experienced in Ontario. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely like that. That was a transition. And then New Brunswick is the only fully bilingual province in Canada. So it was a lot more French than what I was used to. And then the Acadian accent in French, I couldn't fully understand because I grew up speaking a different kind of French. And so it was, yeah, a lot of different transitions for sure. But um, yeah, definitely never, not something I would ever change. I'm really happy I, I, I went through that, but it was definitely difficult. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it helped you develop, I mean, I think multiple times, it seems that you've developed a thicker skin to people, you know, saying things about you because of where you're from or whatever. Has that played a role in your, like, psyche and mentality about people at all or just the world yeah. as a whole? Yeah, I think, I would, I would think so. And I also think that it forced me to give people more chances and be more understanding because people especially in that community they are you know right next to the american border and they in all honesty deal with like the shittiest part of america like and so i don't i don't blame blame them i think for their reactions um and so i think having so many encounters like that has forced me to kind of take a step back and not take things so personally especially if it's someone that i don't know um but um yeah and just like give you know get a better understanding of where these people are coming from and like give people more chances like you can't you know base your opinion off of someone's entire existence off of one interaction regardless of how sour it is so I think it, it kind of forced me to have that mentality where I think if I had stayed in California it, I don't know if I would have would have gotten that 
Right. But you think that, so you don't have any sort of, I don't know. I feel like I would build some sort of anger in some way towards like people being constantly like, I don't know. It, or I guess on the contrary, you would just establish like a massive amount of pride for who you are as a person because you're constantly being like, oh, that's not cool. That's not cool. But you're like, dude, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be myself because either way, someone's going to find something that they don't like about it or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, I, w- I would agree with yeah, the, the latter. I um. Yeah, I think like the first year I was there, it wasn't so fantastic. I there I, there were a couple of moments where I, I considered not staying or, you know, when I come home to visit, um, I like considered not going back because the first year was definitely tough. And I also moved somewhere like my residence, for instance, half of the people had known each other since pre-K. So it's it's hard you know, kind of finding your footing in a group like that because I'm just this random stranger that's from across the continent, totally different time zone and upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, yeah, it was definitely the first like year I definitely thought about not going back, but I don't, I don't know why exactly I did, but I, I, I did. And I think that it definitely shaped my, like who I am as a person for sure. Cause yeah, I had to get more like, solid in who I am being like yeah you know maybe I'm not like fully Canadian in your eyes but I am like my like my family for instance like not that it really matters but like my ancestral roots like established this province like we have records going back to like 1703 so like you can't tell me that I'm not Canadian so it's but it like also doesn't matter at the end of the day like people are going to be people so yeah no I think that's super important and I think it's also important that you came back and you were able to like you know establish this whole different like aspect of finding I think the current passions that you have which are like climbing and you know biology and political science well you already kind of were interested in that but I think you came back to California and found some new passions that you may not have been able to do in Canada as easy I don't know if they have a huge rock climbing and stuff but yeah, no, definitely. I, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, and I, in all honesty, I'd probably still be there. Um, I, I loved, I loved living there and I loved my, like the, the bonds I have with the people that I met in New Brunswick definitely are stronger than people I've known my whole life here. Um, but yeah, I, there is such a, a special place in my heart for that that whole province, that whole area of Canada. And I like think all the time about moving back, especially when I turn on the news, <laughs> but it's, it definitely was not always like that. And it was, you know, kind of hard, hard to find my footing for a long time, definitely. But I think it did bring a nice perspective, especially once I did come back to California, I was a, mo- a lot more secure in who I was as a person. And no, I would definitely agree. Like the things that I, learned that I loved there that I couldn't fully do or fully appreciate I was able to bring back here and I was like get super stoked on it (laughs) like the ocean or yeah like rock climbing right so I mean as far as like hobbies and stuff that you picked up over here does that I mean so let's actually let's just do it chronologically after you did Canada (laughs) did you move back right away or was it did you stay there for a while and you were thinking about um trying to find a job there or was it cool 
got my degree. Let's bounce. So when I was there, I I, I ended up staying there for um, like an extra year to finish up some classes. And I was definitely thinking, I was like planning on staying. I was a little worried because I have a green card here. So I was you know, trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do. Um, but then during my March break, which is like Canadian spring break, um mm -hmm. i met my now boyfriend so he kind of made things a little bit difficult slash easier to decide i guess on uh what my plans were going to be because i was you know kind of in this middle ground where i didn't i loved living there but it was definitely hard being away from my family and you know my sister was getting married and all this stuff and so i wanted to be back here but i didn't really have a place here anymore like in california um and so I was like making plans to to stay out in New Brunswick or like Halifax or something. And yeah, then I met my boyfriend while I was on March break, and I was like, okay, so we did long distance for like a year. And I was like, well, I guess that kind of decides everything for me because he couldn't move to Canada, and so had to come move back here. Nice. Well, that's I mean, it's a nice ending to that situation, right? Like, I mean, not situation, but like you know, that chapter. That's cool that it was like you came back because of, you know, finding someone. That's really cool. That did that open up a whole different like viewpoint of activities and different things that you weren't did he introduce you to a lot of cool different things? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, him and I actually kind of discovered climbing at the same time. Um I think he climbed a little bit earlier than I did. Um but I had like I was living in San Francisco. I, when I would come back, I would, I would go back to San Francisco, not to, to Southern California. Um, and so I'd like, you know, gotten a gym membership, like the week I'd moved back and found out that he was like rock climbing or like move back for like the summer. Um, so, you know, that we found out at the same time, but then, you know, he's really into slacklining. So he introduced me to that. And then he's, you know, a musician. So that was a whole other, you know, door that was opened on like different types and varieties of music that I had just not listened to so yeah there are definitely like lots of doors that were opened um when him and I first met which kind of made moving back a lot easier too so it's like okay this is like a new another new chapter and it kind of feeds into the same mentality I had with moving to Canada where I was like okay well this seems fun let's do it so I just moved back it's not a big deal it can always I mean Canada's not going anywhere so I can always go back anytime yeah no I think that's a sort of like super cool position to be in where you like do have sort of that ability to like bounce back and forth when needed or if you want to, you know, which I don't feel like a lot of people have the opportunity. So that's cool. Super, super rad. Um, what I would like to know is like the different music and film and art and stuff, I guess differences between Canada and America that you've noticed. Oh, that's a very good question. Man, there's a there's a lot. I um so many so many great musicians come out of Canada and I think a lot of people don't give them enough credit or a lot of people don't realize that the musicians that they love come from I think like a ton of entertainers actually that are, you know, on top in America Dude, so many of them are from Canada that I think people aren't even aware of. It's funny how many people are like, oh, Seth Rogen's from Canada or like these people. And you're yeah. like, dude, yes. <laughs> like all of those people that dominate, you know, basically every industry. Yeah. I mean, like Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds are both Canadian. It's it's great. But I mean, I think Canada 
has done such a wonderful job on keeping their like in music and like in particular they keep their local music industries like alive and thriving like every city you go to there is no matter how small there's like multiple venues for people to perform which is just fantastic like my favorite bar like the city I lived in was named Fredericton and it's a city of like 50,000 people and I think like 15,000 of those are students that leave every summer so it's like not a huge city (laughs) but they have a bar downtown which I think is a little bit different now but when I was going there um, it was three different levels and each different floor was a different music venue so the bottom was more of like like the typical venue that you would think of that's just like a stage and people standing the middle floor was where like djs would go and like electronic sets and the top floor was more like acoustics and fiddle sets and stuff like that so they wow the, that's super yeah, cool the, the, Jeez, it's so cool and they had like you know a lot of local bands that had you know, like whole fan base because um, they were able to perform there so often. Like they're almost like local celebrities, but um, they also had like really could like establish bands tour and go to these small venues. And like every like semi-major city in the Maritimes has, has places like that. And so it keeps, you know, younger generations not only inspired to create music, but also just like go watch them. And they're such like nice, intimate, establishments to go to go watch it it's it's great but yeah I like my my music taste while I was in Canada was just like expanded so much because I was exposed to so many different types and styles of like just live music and the city I lived in had the Harvest Jazz and Blues Festival which was people would come from all over the country and even the states to go see people perform and it took over the entire city they you know shut streets down and had like six different stages like willie nelson's son came and played wow. not willie nelson but his son still <laughs> but, cool, yeah. Um, yeah no it was and it's like just every every type and style of music so um yeah i i definitely got exposed to a lot of genres and artists i don't think i would have even had the opportunity to if i'd stayed here um and i like taste like there's a a guy named daniel romano who's from ontario and he has like two albums he used to be like a punk band and then he went solo for two albums where he made like old country music and one of his song or one of his albums is called like come cry with me so it's like almost satire but the music is just so great and so beautiful and i hate country like i can't stand it but then i realized i just hate pop country right that albums are great and then now his newest albums are like psychedelic i think he's doing a bunch of lsd or something but jeez that's cool though man so i mean that's got to be interesting did you see the whole like realm of that when you were in school and everything or just in general when you're in canada do you feel like you see more i guess independent artists or people going out there and you know music do you see like buskers and stuff or yeah i think that just the the culture in at least the city i was in towards music was totally different than you know any place i've been that i've lived in prior like and that's including san francisco like people were just so invested on keeping like seeing music like no matter what your music tastes were they were they just cared about going and supporting artists and buying merch from bands they didn't even know about just because like I think just the culture there um 
people know it's important so they they go out regardless of like one of my roommates her favorite artist was like Beyonce and Sam Smith like she didn't have like didn't, like care about small bands but she mm-hmm. was out every single weekend going to these shows just because like she loved the atmosphere loved to support people and that's not really something I I've noticed here like even in like downtown Fullerton that has you know some live music more people I find are there to like socialize and complain about how loud it is than actually go <laughs> there and like be in the moment and like sure. really appreciate the art that they're experiencing. Or there's just a bunch of like cover bands here. <laughs> I have never seen very few like original musicians that get the opportunity to perform. Sure. So kind of yeah. Do you think that it, it has to do with Canadian people in general, just being more open to, creative expression is that something that's like an ideology that's kind of brought up in the mentality of canadian people whereas in american ideology i guess from more of a societal term it's like you gotta go to school and get a job and have a family or whatever in canada is it more like do what you love if you want to be an artist be an artist if you want to go be a scientist be a scientist you know is there less limitations or that's what I'm drawing yeah. from it maybe I don't know that's me I yeah I mean I would I do think that um like Canadian culture is a little bit more relaxed in regards like you know the whole American dream type stigma um like I have a bunch of friends that I went to university with that were there for like two years and dropped out and that was it like they're no one really cared (laughs) like and I feel like when that happens to my friends here like you just never hear the end of it from your friends or your parents your friends parents your parents friends um but I think in regards to music in particular um my my own hypothesis is that two things Canadians still fund music programs in school so I think it keeps the like society more engaged because it's not always the first thing that loses funding like people make it a point to teach their children the arts and like aside from that it's cold a lot of the time like six months out of the year you're stuck inside so you need to figure out some hobbies that you can do indoors and i think music just fulfills that sure and also you're inside so what else are you gonna do like go see music like at a local bar or are you gonna stay home so I think that's kind of how that industry has thrived a little bit more but um yeah i do think there's just like a a genuine just more more of an appreciation i think it's just because canada just feels like one really big small town like no matter what city you're in and so there's kind of just like a small town appreciation for culture in general that i don't always feel in america yeah dang that's crazy I didn't think about that whole like music funding thing, man. I think that's totally got to be the major key in that. Because then, I mean, you're just brought up with music classes and stuff, you know, which is fundamental to your education as opposed to here being something that's like, yeah, I mean, we'll give you orchestra or something, but like for a year and a half and then you can take piano lessons at home. Like, I don't know. It's different, but. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I mean, even if you don't end up being like a prodigy or even like I did piano for like two years and I am just not, I'm just not artistically or creatively inclined. Like I'm very like data driven and um, I just can't, I can't get the hang of it. Can't hold a tune for my life. But I think that being said, you do have like amazing tattoos. 
all over, you know, so you do have an appreciation for it. I, I definitely have an appreciation. That's what I was going to get to. Like I, I went to a private school here in California. And one of the things was that we had like biweekly, um, actually, no, I think it was weekly music lessons. And so, and it was required for the entire school we had, and it was for seven years straight. And I feel like, you know, having that along with like art classes ingrained in me from, you know, being like six until I was like 11 made a huge difference on even though I like I physically couldn't partake like I was getting nothing out of it making art it just frustrated me more than anything because I like couldn't do it um it definitely made me appreciate like I appreciate it a lot more for sure and I like just learning like I like to learn and geek out on things and it like gave me that opportunity and I think it's really set the stage for the rest of my life for sure yeah well, I think it's cool that you can like dive into something. And then another medium that's also huge and massive in Canada is like tattooing, like uh, some of the best tattoo artists. Well, I mean, specifically, at least the ones that I go into, which is more like American traditional, they have massive, I would say some of the best American traditional tattoo artists come out of Canada. What is the fascination with Canadians and tattoos? Dude, I don't know, but I love it. I'm here for it. Like, all, most of my tattoos I've gotten in Canada. And it's just, and it's just, it's not even, just because, like, the, the art is so great. Like, I meet people that, and they're easy to make, make appointments with. Um, like, here, I like, I meet an artist that is good or, like, at least above average. And it's like, okay, well, the next appointment's in, like, four months. I'm like, how is that even possible? But, there you meet people that are just like exceptional at what they do and like oh yeah you have an open appointment on tuesday you can come in like yeah i can holy cow yeah i don't think i've ever gotten a tattoo here without waiting at least a month month and a half i think that's like standard practice it's it's crazy i you know when i was in and it's also like a, a community thing too right so there's a whole community in these small cities that are like all about t- tattooing and so I like you know I meet my one tattoo artist and then like while I'm getting tattooed by him I meet his buddy who's in like the next cubicle over and like I remember in one week I got tattooed I think like six times because it was like my roommate was doing tattoos and I was getting a tattoo touched up and while I got that one touched up I was talking to the other tattoo artist about like an idea I had he was like oh yeah we could do that on Friday and so it was like and it's just yeah I think they're just a lot more um like artists are more approachable and easier to get appointments with and you know it's at least in in the maritimes it's it's a working class society very blue collar and a lot of the older generations also have tattoos so there's not as much of a stigma as ah, there is here okay. mm-hmm. so i think i mean there is still is i mean like my grandmother like can't stand that i have tattoos but um but like my grandfather had them because he was in the British Navy. And so it's kind of funny that it's not here. I feel like I know very, very, very few adults that have tattoos, but mm-hmm. like my mom does. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. No, it's cool though. I think, I mean, it's interesting that over there there's communities of artists, you know, that it almost draws kind of a parallel to early America or not. I mean like super early, but like, 60s 70s you know when there were Mm -hmm. these communities of people and you would go and you would hang out and you would meet different groups of people which I don't think is at least as prominent maybe I'm not in the scene as much as other people but for me I don't find that you know I'll get a tattoo and then 
you know, connect with like nine people and have, you know, 10 appointments by the end of the month or something like that doesn't happen here as much. And I also agree that I don't think I see as many like garage bands and different things like starting up and it doesn't seem to be as much of a focus, which is weird because we also live in, you know, America, but we live in California and Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and like Hollywood, you know, we're like the epicenter of where you would expect all the people to come and do stuff. But I don't know. It seems weird to me that like a city that I don't know may or may not be like the main art center in Canada has such a vivid and like live scene. Whereas here, a city that's so close to the epicenter of American entertainment doesn't have that as much. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely noticed that in, in all honesty, I think a lot of it has to do with just people like people just genuinely aren't friendly to strangers in America. And I don't know why that is. Whereas, you know, in Canada, no matter where I've been, I just, you can just talk to anyone and people just like want to get to know you and want to chit chat or if they don't, at least they're nice and polite about it. Um, yeah, and it's a, I don't know why why America is like that on average. I mean, obviously, each community is different. Each person is different. Totally, yeah, 100%. My personal experience has been like that. And I think that a lot of a lot of it does feed into weather, you know, because, <laughs> like, in Canada, it's like, like I said, it's like six months that you're in snow. Like, there's only so much you can do. And, like, I think a lot of people end up just, like, building these, like, human connections with other people because it's like you're stuck inside. You may as well be stuck inside with, you know 15 other people that will end up being your friends like you just end up like going out and drinking or going out and doing stuff in other indoor areas whereas here i think you know there's you're not forced to slow down in california because weather's always great you're never like forced to you're never snowed in for three days you know you're and you're always forced to kind of be productive all the time but um in at least eastern canada there you're forced to just like chill out like you have no other option but to just like chill and talk to people really yeah which is cool like i mean i don't know i think i found that with traveling too is you go to these other communities and they have a whole different mentality about how like a day is structured you know i think mm-hmm. like the american day is so structured at least i mean and this is all general i don't want people to be sending me emails like hey man everything you said was wrong um <laughs> I get it. I'm not talking about everyone. All right. This is like general thing. But I think an average American day is structured in a certain way where it requires you by the time your head hits your pillow at the end of the night, you had to have accomplished something or you're going to feel like shit. But I think other parts of the country, if you like hung out and drank orange juice and like just kicked it with your pals all day, that's a productive day. And I, I like that mentality a little bit better than, mm-hmm. hey, did you, you know, write a fucking novel? No? All right. Well, bad dreams. Like, I don't like that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, in another just lovely thing about Canada is because of winter, like people really, and my, actually my dad and I were talking about this yesterday because I went over to their house for, for dinner. And Are they um, still yeah, in Canada or are they here now? They're or in, not in Canada. Actually, I mean, San Francisco. Sorry. Um. Yeah, my, my mom is, uh, she's still working in San Francisco. She actually opened a bunch of 
uh, clinics with UCSF to provide free testing for COVID. For wow, people. that's awesome. But, yeah, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was awesome, but also it sucked because I couldn't see her for like three months. <laughs> but right, um, yeah. they, uh, San Francisco was on pretty much put on lockdown, and because of that, their curve has like flattened, and she was able to close a couple of those clinics, and she found someone else to run them, so she's now able to work remotely in there and in Riverside at the moment together. So, which is Yay. nice. Right, great. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, my parents are actually thinking about, they've been trying to buy a house back in Canada for the past like a year. So they're ready to get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I was talking to my dad about that yesterday. Um, and he was saying that, yeah, just Canadians, because I think because of winter, like we just like celebrate summer. Like it is actually like the whole season is a holiday and people are outside like the minute and I can say this from my own experience, the minute it goes above like 45 degrees Fahrenheit, people are like outside on their patches of grass that are like yellow next to un, you know, unmelted snowpacks, like out there sunbathing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> everyone has like a camp on a lake and, and they're out there just like enjoying togetherness and, you know, just experiencing the, the fruits of nature but i and people like in california just don't do that because you know you, you plan a vacation for like two weeks but it's like going to vegas and that's just like stressful or you're you know it's always like this this big adventure that's all segmented and planned but i find people in canada are like okay i'm gonna go gonna go to the camp for the next two weeks and there are no plans so there's like no agenda you're just like there to relax and spend time with people and create or read or do whatever it is that you need and I find that at least people are in California just don't do that they go on trips to you know France but they're backpacking and have like a schedule of places they need to go and things they need to see but like when do you ever find time to relax you know yeah like non-agenda based no expectations Mm -hmm. just do it kind of thing exactly totally so what if what are some like trips and adventures obviously when everything ties up but did you have any like big plans or anything that you're working on before this whole situation happened yeah actually one of my best friends lives in tel aviv in israel and i was supposed to go visit her this month in may and i actually didn't end up buying the plane ticket i was going to um buy it in November and then my mom obviously works in like the healthcare industry and she's like oh like maybe you should hold off and see how this whole thing pans out in like you know in like December when this whole yeah. thing started that's still beforehand that's smart of her wow she was like hey she's a very smart lady and yeah. I mean she works at like the best medical school in the country so I'm sure she was able to see how serious it was gonna get before you know the media diluted it all but mm-hmm. um but yeah, I was supposed to go to Tel Aviv this year and I actually had like a bunch of plans. My boyfriend and I and all of our friends go to Mammoth every summer as well. And we like camp on BLM land and they all fish and we climb and hike and stuff. But that's kind of up in the air. So yeah, it's, you know, I'm just hanging tight right now and <laughs> waiting for everything to chill out, saving some money and finishing up school and figuring out what the hell to do with the rest of my life i guess yeah have you been listening or watching or just you know with this newfound free time have you like indulged in anything cool i um am re-watching mad men for like seventh time so mm-hmm. it's being taken off netflix pretty soon here um 
Yeah, I mean, I I definitely started reading a lot more again, which is nice. I find I, I it ebbs and flows how often I I get to read, and it you know depends on like my workload and school workload. And now that I'm kind of like coming towards the end of my my schooling, I have more time to just read for fun, which is a nice nice option. Yeah, what have um, you been reading? I, I'm reading current a, a complete history of the gene so it's just a history of wow. genetics which is like not even is like related to my schooling so, what is that yeah, about like, like just is it super reading. scientific i mean how do they it's actually not i actually would highly recommend it to to anyone who's somewhat interested it's it reads almost like a novel and it the guy i forget the guy's name who wrote it um it's like 500 pages so it's kind of long but um it goes over the whole history of the discovery of genes and is broken up um in like chronological order so it goes over like darwin and like all those important figures like mendel and uh they he, he writes it like you know based off of literature and letters of those that those people have sent out and received mm-hmm. and yeah it, it it reads kind of like a, a biography but also like a tech like a textbook but also like um a novel so it, it's engaging it's very interesting and i don't find it a difficult read but it's also something i did study so i don't know if i'm like the best right but i mean that, but... there's nothing wrong with like trying it you know I, yeah, like I would recommend it i right. think it's and it's important i think people should everyone should have like a base knowledge of of that like science in general get an idea of like especially like given the like covid it, it gives you an idea of kind of how your body works so you can you know watch fox news or cnn and be able to see what's bullshit and what's not like right. just from a book like that can help you with that and i'm I'm always in support of people educating themselves and critically assessing every information that they're like every piece of information they're given. hundred so. percent. Yeah. Making your own interpretations instead of just accepting everything that you hear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, cool, man. Well, um, let's see, I guess let's leave it with partying. How can we do it? Usually I do like recommendations. You gave us some Canadian. What was that dude's name again? That you said oh, really Daniel good. Daniel Romano. Daniel Romano. So definitely check him out. Read the book Gene by unknown author. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's like the history history of the gene or something. It's the cover is yellow and white. If that helps if anyone decides to google it. But Here, it's very good I'll book. google it right now. The Gene or just Gene? Gene book. The Gene. An Intimate History. Yes. Uh, Dude, I hope it's not this one because this person's name is not going to be pronounceable. He's from India. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. There you go. I mean, at least you have the title so someone can Google it. The Gene, An Intimate History. It came out on April 18, 2017. And the author has an amazingly beautiful name that I cannot pronounce. So um that's two recommendations anything else what other oh gosh from the jesse dearman collective so many great canadian musicians if you're into like alternative e music i would recommend listening to mauno and that's uh spelled 
M-A-U-N-O, and Always, also the lead singers from the Maritimes, and that's A-L-V-V-A-Y-S. They're great. Um, yeah, and gosh, yeah, there's so many. There's actually one that I, like, can't think of right now because I'm just can't i just can't but another guy from um hey rosetta is another band from the maritimes also fantastic have you met these people when you were over there did you meet any like cool people that you were Um, like holy shit you're like yeah i mean i saw mauno and hey rosetta i saw hey rosetta like three times and i've met a couple of the bandmates that that band is huge they're it's like i think like eight band members and um yeah they're they're really fantastic uh mo kenny she's also pretty good um joel plaskett another great canadian canadian band gosh what is that dude i just googled canadian bands and i think every band ever is canadian oh yeah hot hot heat arcade fire wolf parade Mm -hmm. broken social scene tegan and sarah feist is canadian Tegan and Sarah is like they're my first band I ever got super super into like I fangirled on them so hard what what about them made you like what about them was different than any other band that you heard you're like oh these are these are my people I can't even like pinpoint it like I I remember listening to their music when I was in high school and going through like a bunch of personal stuff and I everything that they like wrote in the way they sang and the lyrics like it, it just encompassed everything I was feeling at that time and it was like in a way that I couldn't even put it down and it, yeah it's just like and I listen to some of their albums still and I get like all teared up because it just meant so much to me at that time so yeah they I got very very into them so super yeah which is cool I think that's an important concept about music is that it can kind of tie you to a place and a location but more importantly it ties you to like an emotion which Mm -hmm. you know good or bad can be i don't know it's important it makes music something that is pretty powerful you know and i I guess all forms of art can do that in a way but Mm -hmm. especially music for me you know like there's literally songs or albums that i can't listen to or there's ones that like you know, I constantly want to listen to, I don't know, but a song will come on and I'll go, Oh, you know, summer of 2000 or whatever. Yeah. It's weird. It's crazy. That happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. It is nice. Well, I have one more band for you, which is Kurt Inder. And if you like Mac DeMarco, who is also Canadian, Mm -hmm. listen to Kurt Inder because he's a smaller musician and needs the support. Thank you for tuning in to The Double Life. As always, please head to thedoublelifepod.com for more information on all of my guests and just things that are going on. Make sure to follow The Double Life on Instagram, Twitter, all your social media, and make sure to subscribe.